Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Bulletin. Right, uh, great to have uh, Lavina Good with us uh, this morning on the Bulletin, and I don't quite know where to start. Uh, let's let's start in your neck of the woods, shall we, uh, Lavina? Because a couple of your neighbours uh, are being mentioned again for the Black Caps, Trent Bolt back in, and possibly Kane Williamson with his rehab. Yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I'm like I've always been a Bolt fan. You know that he's an old uh, Taranga um, Boys College, along with um, Kane, and I always think he's a bit of player when he's playing for the Black Caps at 34 years of age. I guess he's cracked the 99 One Day Internationals, and, and even though he decided to take off and spend time with the Fano, and then also make a bit more money. Let's be honest, Smitty, that's what it was about. Also. Um, for Bolte, he's he's decided to to come back and give a crack at that World Cup um, in October. Which I, you know, I'm a big fan of his. I love to watch him play. In terms of a paceman with the left hander, I just don't know how I could match him up with anyone else at the moment. And I feel as though the Black Caps that Black Caps could do with him, without a doubt. And as far as Kane's concerned, I, I don't know how that knee injury is going to hold up. It was a severe ACL, and when it happened, I thought to myself, there's no chance you're going to be sweet for October. But now the selectors are coming out and saying, hey, you know, even if he misses um, the first few games, just to have his presence there. And that that's not undermining Tom Latham as captain at all. I just feel like they're saying it'd be great to get him on the pitch, but also to have him there. Uh, Williamson's presence is like no other, no other captain in New Zealand for any other sport. He just brings that calming nature about him. He manages to bring out the best in his teammates that are playing and, and they all respect him tremendously. And whenever he's hanging around, they seem to be playing a lot better whether or not he's at the crease or not. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about the two Tottinger boys about to make another appearance for the Black Caps and fingers crossed that for Kane, that knee injury. Um, I mean, if you've got the best physio in the country and there's some pretty bloody good physios out there at the moment, the best physios mm. in the country would be working on Kane's knee right now, I can tell you. Okay, uh, look, we're all praying. And in effect, there's nine round-robin games in that Cricket World Cup, so if he missed the first three or four, which would give him, buy him another couple of weeks, uh, I, I think that's worthwhile because uh, the games, the two or three of those are games that we could win without him anyway. So I think the strategy to keep him uh, very much in the thinking is a, an excellent one. Okay, uh, let's get to uh, tonight, uh, or to, to Hamilton, to... Uh, the Warriors and the uh, the Tigers. Is this is this a banana skin game? Please tell me no. <laughs> well, I mean the Tigers fans are really hell bent on not being the wooden spooners, so they need to win some matches, and uh, they are hoping that the Dragons will lose three or four and, and get off the bottom of the table. It's a real sign of respect from the Tigers to select to have Hamilton as their home game. Kitty, Kitty, Roa. Uh, it's on the back, I guess, of the Warriors sacrificing two years during that COVID exile. And it's a sign of respect to say we'll have our home game there. And they'll probably get more fans there and get the ticket sales from that than what they did uh, over.
over in in Sydney. So it is a home game for them. But the Warriors are just looking so so good at the moment. I, I was impressed how they played against the Titans. I know the Titans lost a player and everyone's saying they could have won by more. But I just like the way they handle themselves. They're not celebrating um, too early. Everyone's talking about Sean Johnson. But for me, it's Adam Fanua Blake. He's busting, you know, 64 post metres after he's been hit and a tackle, which is incredible, and averaging 170 metres a game consistently for the Warriors. And if they continue on their merry way, which I dare say they will in Hamilton, they will be looking at that top four position, which means they get two cracks at it in September, which is a lot different from having that one life in the top eight. Plenty of Warriors fans, Smitty, they're out there and they're not being honest about it, but they said they'd be lucky to make the top eight throughout the year. So I don't think they'll be taking this one too lightly, even though the Tigers are at the bottom of the table. The Tigers are second for offloads in the competition after the yields. But what that tells me about the game of NRL this year is that it's not a game of offloads this year. The Roosters got away with that half a decade ago, 2018, in fact, the last time the Warriors made it through to the finals. And back then it was all about the fancy fair, the offloads, the entertainers. And and the Warriors were sucked into that for a while. But with Andrew Webster here, who used to be an assistant coach at the Tigers many, many years ago, it's not about topping the offload list. It's about toppling the tackling list and making sure you've got a halfback like Sean Johnson that has a 92% tackle rate, which is the highest in the competition for halfbacks. So it's not about fancy pants. It's about getting the job done. It's not about celebrating too early. It's about rewarding the fans and they have a job on hand and they know what they're aiming for, the Warriors. It starts once again tonight with a victory, but win or lose, I can guarantee there'll be no celebration from them and they will want to reward their fans. The footy at the moment is absolutely fabulous and the Warriors are just adding to it. Right, let's uh, tune our attention now to um, the Football Women's World Cup. I mean, it has just taken two countries by storm, actually. I, I firmly believe that, and the numbers reflect that as well. Uh, Lavina, I, I, I know we, we talked before and we were optimistic of people getting in behind, and I think from memory, you were confident New Zealanders would, because we tend to do that, but we move late on things, but it's been a great phenomenon, and now we're down to the last eight, of course. I think it's been great for women's sport in general, not just for uh, women's um, football. Uh, obviously, on the back of the Ferns winning the World Cup of rugby, um, there was a lot of excitement for women in sport in this country, but I didn't think it would trickle through to a sport that is very well populated when it comes to youngsters, but not necessarily generated interest in the sporting public. But we've grappled it, we've enjoyed it, and I mean, to come down to that final eight, the, the sport throughout the FIFA World Cup for women has just been so so entertaining and you don't have to have your team winning to make sure that you can enjoy what's going on to see um, the USA go out which was really interesting a, a lot of people didn't think that that would happen to see Spain come through with a final against Netherlands I mean you've got the entertainers versus a very strong solid strategic team Australia now that they've got Sam Kerr back, the other co-host, will take on the fancy pants of France who are, you know, really out there when it comes to performing on the pitch. And it's going to be so hard with this top quarter finalist now out of the eight to pick the top four. Colombia, who would have thought Colombia, who were ranked mm. 25th in the world, just one under New Zealand, would have been the only America's team to make it through to the final. No one could have predicted that from the beginning. And if it's Australia and Japan that go through to the final, if you put 50 bucks on them to go to, through to the final at the start of the tournament, you'd have a couple of grand 
in your back pocket. I don't know who's going to win out of these uh, quarter finalists. I don't know if England's got what it takes to kind of take it to Colombia or even if you know, Sweden can back up from an average performance against the USA to take out Japan. But what I do know is the sport has been fantastic. New Zealand and Australia has backed it. And it is a bit of a sign, I think, for FIFA to take a look at when they invest money into the men's FIFA. It's $643 million. When they invest money into the women's World Cup of football, it's $160 million. And last time I checked, in Australia, 1969, it was illegal to pay unequally between men and women. So I'm thinking if anything comes out of this, apart from the fact that we love our football in this country and we're backing women's sport in general, it will be for equity for both men and women in the sport, which is a pretty good thing to come out of this tournament. Well, I was doing some sums with a couple of blokes last night, actually, and talking about ticket prices and trying to work through just how much money FIFA must be making out of these full houses, not to mention the television revenue, etc. I mean, it must be making a considerable profit when you look at what they outlay against it. Yes, yeah, sport is all about money. That's what it is about in terms of any sport that you're representing, especially FIFA. That's what they want to do. They want to generate interest. So it encompasses the nation and globally uh, you're looking for those corporate sponsorships as well. But to see 17, 18,000 people to turn out and watch Portugal and Argentina play is just incredible here. And, and the people turning up don't even know who the players are and where they've come from and what they've done, but the backing has been there. So, yeah, the traction of the FIFA Women's World Cup has been fabulous here in New Zealand and Australia. I've been really proud of um, both countries, how they have hosted people from all around the world. They're making some money out there, and let's hope on the back of this that we will see that the women competing in the mm. FIFA World Cup and competing in football in general will get a little bit more out of the kitty. Okay, talking of uh, women competing uh, and not doing very well this time around, uh, I've got to ask you about the Silver Ferns because so much else going on around the world at the moment in terms of sport and all-black teams being announced, etc., uh, that the Silver Ferns uh, have pretty much uh, snuck home, I think, with a, uh, what I can only class myself personally as a disappointing outcome, their worst ever, uh, in terms of the World Championship. Do you view it that way, or uh, um, am I being a bit harsh? No, it's interesting. When the um, Silver Ferns embarked upon their World Cup tour, I spoke to lots of sports people around the country that had no idea it was the World Cup of netball. No idea whatsoever. And I think they were kind of... Um, taken into the uh, Women's FIFA World Cup and had completely forgot about the Silver Ferns and the media weren't jumping on it initially because the Silver Ferns were the defending champions from 2019 and were expected once again to be the Australia-New Zealand show, which it, it very much wasn't. It, it didn't help Nolene Kodua's cause the fact um, that her star shooter, Grace Nowicki, went down with a knee injury. But the thing is, um, at the Silver Ferns level and the money that's invested in netball in this country, you need to have um, conditioning of depth. You need to have people that can replace, say, a star shooter. Otherwise, you will be outclassed from uh, different teams from around the world. There, there were some average performances. I know Gina Crampton was really upset with what she was doing and wasn't in the best headspace. And I feel as though Kelly Jury was really playing out of position. She didn't play bad at wing defence, but she's eight centimetres taller 
than the other defenders from the Silver Ferns. And when you're playing against a Jamaican player who is one of the tallest in the world, you need that extra eight centimetres to try and bring them down. So it was an average finals performance against England. Not much better for the bronze medal playoff against Jamaica. And the Silver Ferns had no chance if they were taking on Australia. And that's back to the drawing board. What do you do now? We'll lose four or five players. They're in their 30s. They will not be playing next time around. But I guess it's not just preparing for the next World Cup. It's also preparing for the one after that. And you have to think about depth. And I I can't help but bring this up, Smitty, and I've mentioned it so many times. Uh, New Zealand international netball has gone downhill ever since Australia and New Zealand are unable to compete against each other and have international players come into the competition. And I know there's so many fans of that ANZ domestic championship out there, but the more we play against Australia and the more we invite international players from England and from Jamaica to compete in our domestic competition, the better netballers we will become and the better we will perform on the world stage. Name Nolene's future then. Well, who do you replace her with, Smitty? That's the thing. Mm. I think it's easy to say, let's get rid of the coach because they're not doing a good enough job. But then you think, well, who next? Um, I do believe that Dame Nolene Potua was the heroine in 2019. The Silver Ferns went into that tournament. Um, everyone thought that they'd be lucky to come into the top four and manage to outclass Australia back then. And, and that was a, a while ago. But it's, it's about strategic planning and succession planning. And, and the Silver Ferns need to not think about who they're going to get to coach them. I don't have an issue with Nolan Toto being the coach. The issue I have is that at a domestic level, there's not enough competition for our players so that when we go to an international level, we're not as good as what we should be. So let's get Netball New Zealand talking to Australia New Zealand. Let's open up the borders to more of the Jamaican players and allow more players to come from around the world like they do in the NRL when you've got players from England, New Zealand, also the Pacific Islands to come in and represent different clubs. Let's do that here in New Zealand. Let's get these players over here, make our domestics stronger, make the players coming through at a younger level represent and play against some of these best players in the world. And I tell you what, in four more years, we'll be a better team for it. And I wouldn't be surprised if Nolene Hodua was the coach at that stage. Wow, okay. That'll be interesting to see what her next move will be then. Uh, look, uh, Mark's just texted and I said, I'm, I've, I can't let you go without asking you about Parramatta. Uh, got the Broncos uh, tonight at t- 10 o'clock. Mark, what are you doing to me, my mate? I-, I already mentioned that the Eels have the best offloads in the competition. What else What else do you want me to say? A fall from grace uh, for the Parramatta Eels this year. I mean, last year, obviously getting into the grand final and, and having a lineup of players where they could possibly go through, but many people have been saying it could be a coaching issue for Parramatta. And I guess in the end, what do we say? Brad Arthur, are you, are you the one that's got to go to try and bring on a brighter future? Uh, the Parramatta Eels do not have the lineup, the performance or the attitude to take out the Brisbane Broncos. And at the moment in the competition, it really is the Broncos, the Panthers and the Warriors that are looking pretty. The concern for me for the Warriors is that for the next four weeks, they are playing sides outside of the top eight. I'd almost prefer them to have a crack at Penrith and uh, even Melbourne again to see how they're faring against some of these better teams. But as for Parramatta tonight, that Broncos train is just too good at the moment. They're too big. Yep. They're too fast. They earn too much money, probably more than the salary cap, Mark. 
and they'll take out the victory tonight. Lavina, great to catch up with you as always. And uh, you just keep looking. You keep just making it easy for Kane and Trent Bolt in particular to be available for that World Cup. Uh -huh. That's your next most important job, okay? Fingers crossed, my mate. Fingers crossed, buddy. <laughs>